DCC podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to the ECC podcast, your auditory domicile for all things Ealing Cricket Club. On this podcast, we'll be hosting weekly segments such as our customary post-match interviews with the ones, twos and threes on a Saturday evening, tidbits from training, giving the masses a spice of the Thursday night life. It is the new Friday after all. Every week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from Ealing's past and present, a centrepiece, if you will, and we'll be chatting to them about why they in particular loved Ealing but hated cricket. We'll be occasionally heading overseas in an Australian segment we like to do, Catch Up Down Under, with our foreign correspondent, Nick Palmer. And no podcast will be complete without a couple of pesky bits and pieces. Ours are going to be the soon to be infamous segments of AJ's Word of the Week, our players to watch for the coming fantasy week, and Kernsey's Corner, with a little spicy weekly third 11 pitch report, keeping Oliver Wilkin honest at the second home of Popesfield and further afield. Without further ado, let me introduce my ECC podcast co-host. 1,737 runs, an average of 28.95 in the Premier League with eight fifties and one ton, not out, may I add. 144 wickets, an average of 21.17. Three fivers, the best of seven for 70. This man truly is an ECC great. My childhood coach since I was 10 years old, and one of the great men, Lee Parry. How are you doing? I take full responsibility for why you can't bat, Mungo. I apologize. <laughs> Guys, welcome. Uh, this is very exciting uh, for anyone who has anything or wants to know anything about ECC and what we're doing and what we're up to. This is a great place to be. Uh, lots of fun, lots of laughs. We're going to love to hear from you, your thoughts, your ideas. But more importantly, our job is to keep you up to date with what's happening, what, where, and when. Love that. Love that. And it is a pretty exciting time, I think. Hope springs eternal. New season rolls around. I know I'm excited, Lee P. I mean, you're going to be with school some Saturdays, but you're back again this summer, aren't you, to play when you're around? Yeah, I've been, um, been training training a bit down in the in the school nets. Luckily, we have the, a nice facility where we have a self-feeder. and um, Those self-feeders being 13-year-olds that you're employed to coach, right? there. Listen, it, you know, at the end of the day, whatever works for you works. And, you know, 40 mile an hour throwdowns and whacking them for six over the head. If it makes me feel better and gets me out of bed, I'll be at training. You get, you got to be challenging the young ones. You've got to be pushing their limits. As a teacher, you know, like, as you know, all those years I, I, I did nothing with you. The uh, At the end of the day, if you don't knock them down, how are they going to get up? Yeah. And you've got to let the weak ones like me go early. You can't be helping them out. You got, you, I, was, I was a lost cause. And you did well. You let you let me have my fun. You complimented me when it was important, and when it looked like I might improve, I didn't. And you're like, oh well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be a nice person. If your parents are listening, no comment. But for all the others, I completely agree with Mungo. <laughs> Without further ado, why don't we crack on to our first segment that we're going to do weekly? Now, AJ Lee's son, his wow, his vocabulary is coming on leaps and bounds, and. It is often synonymous with the ECC week. The idea here is, 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 to, is to get AJ, see how he's doing with regards to his uh, spelling bees, his learning, his Googling, uh, and trying to find out what really inspires him during the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask him what his word of the week is, and he's going to let us know. AJ, what is your word of the week? My word of the week is trampoline. Thanks, AJ. Straight from AJ, we're going to, let's go, let's, Let's get in touch with the guys from pre-season training. We were down there last week and we were just going to have a quick chat with a couple of the guys there after hitting their first balls of the winter. All right, Oliver, how are we feeling for our first hit? Can't wait, mate. Yeah? Yeah. Buzzing. 
buzzing. Is that with the G or without? Without. Without the G. Yeah, yeah this is definitely nice. without the G kind of moment. And oh, as are they all pre-season, they're all without the G. Yeah. How's that? How's the shoulder feeling after a little trundle? Shoulder feels right. Every other muscle hurts. No, no, yeah. Rapid, to be fair, wasn't it? Mate, that was. I reckon up there with the best of the Thomas Marshalls of this world. Thirdly, <laughs> we've just had our first bowl, and you've really cracked into your first, your first energy bar. How are you feeling? Energy bar was a bit old for my liking. Yeah, came out came out of Milo's bag from June 2019. Okay, Milo's bag from June 2019. That's um, that was a good year, June 2019. That's yeah, a good cup run. That's a cup run energy bar. Pre-pandemic pre as well. Does that yeah. highlight anything potentially of the year? Is that a sign of sorts? Hopefully, you know. We, hopefully, we actually get to a final this year rather than a semi. It'd be nice. Go, go, go one. Be nice. Go one better. Yeah, stopping at a semi is always pretty awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Join with Hard Rock Giants here, aka Cheeks. As a podcast, back in. I uh, cannot neither confirm nor deny Hard Rock. How's the winter been? Uh, winter's been special. Special? Um, so being 18 now. First winter being 18. So I've taken full advantage of the opportunities at hand, uh, being the entrepreneurial person I am. Um, mm. So I'd say, given the last week specifically, like last night, mm. I was out mid-18th. Um, fantastic night until. You know, try to wake up this morning and realise body's not made for it. Trials and tribulations of being 18, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty tough. You start finding out about a couple of couple of challenges that didn't face you as a 16, 17 year old. Exactly. It gets harder to bounce out of bed and Exactly. And how does how's that rank as a, as a metaphor for the season? Is it harder to bounce out of bed this year than it was for last pre-season or are you um, more rejuvenated than ever? I think it's a direct correlation to the idea of work hard and play hard. <laughs> work hard on the pitch, everyone does puts in a good performance. And play hard after. Yeah. And I also want to comment on. Um, unfortunately, we've had a departure from Eden Cricket Club this year. Mandrop mm. Rajansa has, no, has left. Has, a, has occurred. Other fields, further afield, to Harefield, yeah. by I believe, to find first team cricket. And uh, any any words on his, on his departure? Um, he's just. He's not. He's still through through Ealing. He's not leaving the club on a permanent basis. Um, but it's one of those things, just broadening his cricketing horizons, I suppose seeing what's out there but yeah uh, it's not a case of never it's a case of not now something yeah. might work later the relationship might burgeon in the future exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's a perfect way to put it cracking tear from those boys after Tuesday nights it's going to be a bit of a staple that and I hope you guys all enjoying listening to this okay it's now time to introduce our first ever guest onto the ECC podcast it'll become tradition when we do this to introduce our guests by their stats as cricket is a stats based game you can judge every person every human being by their stats and this occasion will be no different and what stats we have first up our first guest has 5950 runs at an average of 32.51 35 league 50s nine prem hundreds he's i believe a nine-time league winning cricketer though i stand to be corrected Eight of those times with Ealing, seven in a row. The first four of those as captain. It is our absolute honour to welcome Luke Stoughton, aka Beast, the podcast Beast. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, nice to be on here. It's kind of unexpected. And you, of course, know all those stats off the top of your head. I imagine got them tattooed somewhere. And yeah, I, I've painted them on the ceiling of my bedroom. So every time I go to sleep, I, I can memorise them. I actually know for a fact being uh, around <clears throat> at Beasts uh, a lot over time. There's a few, there's a few pictures, there's a few score scorecards. I do enjoy having a, a slight wee every now and then and reading Beasts hundred and what was it? Uh, oh, the one downstairs. Yeah, 
139, I think. Yeah, it's one of it's one of my favourite reads while having a while having a wee. Yeah, what good. was the game there? Uh, that was uh, Wiltshire against Cornwall. I actually have a little test, you beast. Um, there are a couple a couple of stats that I left out there. One I think you're going to get, and one I think you one I think you're going to struggle with, but a bit of fun. Um, I didn't. I want you to guess your. Do you know your league high score? And also, how many not outs you had in the Middlesex Premier League? <laughs> I think my highest score is 129. I remember that because it was my first game as captain against Teddington at home. I remember that. Um, and I've got no idea about not outs. It's a, so I've got 127 here, but I'm sure you're probably more accurate than play cricket. Maybe it was 127. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You've had 18 not outs. Surprising. That's more than I thought. Do you have any idea over how many years that would have been, Beast? Well, if you're getting it from the league website, it's got to be since 2001, I think. Um, I think I made my debut in 1996. So before the league split, before the Premier League started, basically. So basically less than one a year? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Opening or batting three, you're going to struggle to get too many not outs, I reckon. Just, just hearing excuses now. Yeah. How old do you start playing freeling for the, for the ones? Uh, I think... So nine, 96, I would have been I would have been 18, 19, something like that. And I mean, I know nothing about this period of time at Ealing. And I imagine lots of the people that are playing now don't, some of the people that will be listening as well. What how how successful were we from from then through to that crazy run of league wins? So when the league split, which was 99, I believe, <coughs> basically we had 18, there are 18 teams in the league. Um they they said the top 10 will start in the Premier League in 2000 and 11 downwards would go into the second division. So we finished 11th that year. Um, I can't remember who we were playing, but I remember Ian Boyton, um, who was a class batter that we that played for us for a number of years, bowled off offies and he bowled the relegation ball. I remember that. Um, and then, yeah, 2000... I think we won we won the second division or finished second. I can't remember. We got promoted anyway. And then 2001, we won the Premier League. In our, in our first year in the Prem, we won it. And then we didn't win it again until 2005 when that seven-year run started. So obviously I, I grew up, I grew up around the club. Um, I joined in like 2009, 2010, in the middle of that, of that crazy stretch that you had. And I, I just guess I, I am as I imagine others are interested as to what you believe were the, were the strongest qualities of that group. Because, I mean, it's so hard to win a league and to win it that many times in a row, it can't just be down to the exceptionally high skill level of a lot of the players. Obviously that plays a part, but what were the qualities of that side and that group beast that you thought really held them together? A hundred percent being good mates, I think. Um, we, were, we were lucky that also there were kind of there's a core of us who were a similar age and you know so I've I've really I'm a bit older than Holty and Peps but I've grown up with them really playing senior cricket and you know we've played a ton of cricket together and you know throw also into the mix some really good overseas players as well um and yeah I mean we, we had a, a core of players in that team who were really good friends like we'd socialize off the pitch during during winter you know, we got holiday together, all of that stuff. Our, you know, our wives and girlfriends were good friends as well. It was, it was awesome. And I think, I think when you get that level of friendship within a team, then as long as you're, you're good enough as players, that only makes you stronger. I mean, there are, 
and numerous times where we've played against you know you, you would have seen this as well you know teams that you you play against who've got big reps and big name players but actually they hardly know each other so so actually they don't really do that well i think looking back at that side beastie it's um it's like for a captain it must be awesome to have you know most bases covered if you ever look at your, your batting order um you know the youth and the, the the experience that you had people doing certain jobs at different points of the game your bowling unit you know just remember you'd have matt healy as you said he'd stick on a on a 5p wherever you put it depending on what wicket we're playing in you had blanny who'd do an unbelievable job in type one end tie who'd swing it around hoops you chuck me the board and ask me just to run in as quick as i could for four overs and depending on any situation with regards to either weather wicket opposition we just, you know, you, we just rocked up at games, you know, Peps, obviously, the Holtz, all the guys that just, that just knew their roles. It must have been so nice for you just to be able to rock up and know, regardless of where we were, who we were playing, we probably had every base covered. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I'm sure, you, you know, you have the same now in the first two, but, you know, you, you, you go on the pitch, but you're fielding, everyone knows where they're, where they're going to field, right? You're just going to walk to your spot wherever you, wherever you field week in, week out. Um, and everyone knew their part in that team. And it got to the point where we'd have, I'd pick 10 players and we had so many people who bowled as well that the 11th player, actually, I'd just pick someone um, who was a good fielder and who didn't mind turning up and playing in the ones, but they'd bat 11 and just field. Um, we had a couple of people who used to do that. And yeah, it's it's pretty extraordinary. And, and you know, we've got Peps to bowl as well. So you've got Matt Healy and Peps bowling at the same time, um, you know, or either end. And I mean, you've got to be a really good player to to score runs against those two, not to mention everyone else you talked about as well. A quick question to uh, Mungo then. What's, you know, is there an art on fine leg to fine leg or how does, how does it work? I'll tell you what, actually, it's pretty tough down there. Pre, pre-relaying the outfield, down at fine leg, third man, third man mid on, fine leg mid off. It's pretty jumpy. Those they come, they come quick off the outside edge when Stowe's bowling them. But another another thing about like a successful team, right? I think I, I I did I think I said this on the league podcast a couple of years ago. But you know, if if your team is successful, then you breed a culture of winning within it, and that that just basically snowballs, right? If you're winning games, people don't go on holiday, they don't go to weddings, they don't. You know, they don't miss games because they don't want to lose their place. So this is a pre-season pod that we've got here. And I thought I'd ask you, is, is pre-season something that you ever valued? Do you still feel the need to hit balls pre-season? Or, I mean, if anyone's hit enough balls, surely you've hit enough balls to not need not need a pre-season anymore. Oh, definitely. Well, do I value it or do I need to do it? That's two different questions. Do I, um, do I value it? Not really. Do I need to do it? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of done with winter nets, if I'm honest. Like, I've, I've been the last few winter nets I've been to, I've just gone to go and have a bowl. I just get I get annoyed in, in like batting there because invariably you're in some sports hall and people turn up with like rock hard cricket balls and try and bump you off the shiny surface. And if they bowl that length in April, they, you know, they get put in the road. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of done with that. And, and also, actually, I don't really like facing bowlers anyway. So if I go to nets, I'd much rather just get the bowling machine out and just sit on that for an hour and, and just hit a ton of balls. I was thinking about things I could ask you today. And I, 
I sort of started came across the idea that I found quite funny. But do you, I mean, do you still like tweak your technique these days? Are you ever standing at the crease thinking, play the ball late here, Luke, play it late, more top hand? Or are you, do you just sort of stand there and crud it, really? I don't know. I think it depends. I, I still love batting, but I, I, I have a love hate relationship with club cricket now. Like, I, I love, if I don't play it, I really miss it. But when I do play it, um, I, I want to play like the highest standard that I can. I think while you while you're still able to, you need to test yourself. And as as you get older, it's definitely, you know, your reaction slow. And you know, I, I get frustrated that I'm not as good as I used to be. You know, anywhere near that really. But I, I occasionally have have okay moments. I love how we have on our first episode we have our first love hate relationship with cricket as well. I think that's going to be a running theme. <laughs> it probably will be and i'll tell you something else as well right so so the last couple of years at Winchmore hill have been great because i you know they've got a young team and it's been really fun from that perspective but some of the behavior of teams that i've come across in the last couple of years last season in particular i i've just got no interest in spending my saturdays in the company of people like that i've got better things to do right i'd rather be going around ikea with the missus or, or anything right i'd rather i'd rather go and dig a hole in the garden <laughs> and fill it in again right some of the people you come across it's just awful and i don't know whether it's gets worse sort of the lower down you get but certainly we had a couple of games last year where i, I just i was just thinking what the hell am i doing here right just get me off this pitch and i think that that kind of affects your batting as well a little bit i think if there are any listeners out there Hashtag, I'd rather be at Ikea with my missus. Would be lovely. We've got a couple of questions that we're going to ask everyone, Beast. Um, and they're very simple. It's best away ground that you've been to, best lunch, and okay. a game you remember and why. Best away ground. Best or favourite. It doesn't need to be one that like you felt like had the best facilities, but one that you like really enjoyed playing at. Or Winchmore Hill, because I went to play there and I'd always scored runs there. I've always done quite well at Richmond. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the ground itself, but I've always done, I've always done all right. It's, I don't know if it's the same when you're a bowler. I wouldn't know, but certainly when you're a batsman and you go out on certain grounds, everything kind of looks right. You know, you know where the angles are, where you can score. You, everything seems quite familiar. Um, but then you, you, you go to other places and it's completely alien. I mean, Finchley's a good example. So I, I scored a. 100 there my first ever first team league 100 was there before the league split it was in that was in 1998 I think um and after that I don't think I I don't think I scored above 40 until it was like four years ago we played a a first team game there it was a limited over so it's colored kit I think I got 60 or something there and I that, yeah, that was a high score I'd, I'd got there in 25 years or something it was mad um, Hampstead's another place as well. Well, I've done a bit better there more recently, but yeah, those two grounds I really didn't like very much. It's I, I would say quickly, it's exactly the same as a bowler. And funny enough, like Finchley's one I've always felt like there's something in there for a team I've really enjoyed bowling at Finchley. Um, best lunch, best tea. Stanmore is up there. Uh, Stephanie Rheingold doesn't, you know, an absolute sterling job there. Um, East Coat used to be very good as well. But those two, those two are the standout ones, I think. 
And finally, a game you remember and why? I mean, we've been we've been over a couple the, the Wiltshire game, I guess, the one. But uh, any any games that really stand out for you? So my last game as captain at Ealing was the Evening Standard final two thousand and eight, and the Evening Standard was a competition that we treated with as much importance as the national. So at the time, it had the highest prize money in club cricket. Um, final was at the Oval every year. Um, it was basically all the clubs in and around the M25. It got a little bit bigger, but that was the main sort of premise of the competition. And we've actually, because it was the last year of the competition when we won it that that game, um, we've actually got the trophy behind the bar at Ealing. It's the, the biggest sort of silver one. Um, that game was unbelievable. So we, we lost some early wickets from memory. Um, actually, they batted first. So John Maunders, who, who played for Middlesex and Leicestershire, I think, he got a he got a hundred. He was reverse sweeping the spinners. Um, amazing innings, really great innings. Um, they had uh, who else to play? Toby Rowland Jones played. Uh, his brother was captain. David Nash, who was a keeper at Middlesex, played as well. Um, I can't. Really, I think they got about two hundred. Maunders got about a hundred of that, and then we chased it, but we were we were like nine down or something, and. I remember Blanny got 40-odd, not out, and Tahir was batting. Actually, we were eight down because Athers was in last. He didn't get in. Um, but Tahir was trying to reverse sweep people like when we needed 10 to win, and we were eight down. And we were, I've got some pictures somewhere of all of us on the balcony, like, go, <laughs> make it stop. And then I remember Blanny, I think he won the game by by lapping, they had a medium pacer and he, he's got down on one knee and sort of dinked it over, over 45 and he won the game and it was, it was amazing. And that was also Blanny's last game for the club and John Maunders, um, who won the man of the match, actually gave him his trophy, um, which was a really nice gesture. So they were mates from when they played at Middlesex. Beast, I think I speak for me and Lee when I say it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us your time on a cold damp February evening on a Wednesday and can't wait to hopefully see you over the summer at some stage if you say you're going to be coming down that'll be yeah an absolute treat yeah I'll be around hopefully play a few games so we'll see one last thing Beast actually where did Beast come from the name so there was a, a story in one of the tabloid newspapers around 2000 about um, a call to the RSPCA um, that there was a lion on the loose and actually, it was a golden retriever called Rocky who had eczema all over his body, apart from on his face and his neck and his tail. And Jit, I believe, said it looked like me. <laughs> and the headline was The Beast of Barnsley. Yes. The Beast of Barnsley. Oh, that's the title of the pod. <laughs> Beast, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Beastie, love you, bud. Thanks for your time, mate. Finally, we're going to have a weekly stat of the week. And this week's favourite stat, stat of the week, this week's stat of the week is Rory Patel's top score last year at Popesfield was four. Four. Four, yeah, four. His top score in the home games last year was four. That's the science it deserved. Unfortunately, we didn't have time this week to fit in Ealing one skipper Christian Martin onto the show. I know he's been hotly requested, oh, but yeah. as we like to say here at the ECC pod, there is always next week. Lee, what a pleasure. Thank you and good night. Good night. The ECC Podcast.